0: This is Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent episode 72, Not Everyone is Evil and Stupid.
1: Content warning, you're not going to like this podcast, and we promise you this, if you've heard it before and you liked liked it, that's not on us. If you happen to be listening, what? <laughs> you just happen to be—you just happen like listening to two middle-aged men who think farts are funny, trying to comp- complete a single thought between them. Anyone who doesn't like those things should stop listening now. <sighs> Whew, that was—I really—I
0: really got you with that
1: one, didn't oh, I? It's just so many words. Uh, yeah, you did. And good morning. And we're back. And good I'm sick for the second time in like two months.
0: Yeah, Fuck. and we were having a chuckle beforehand about shit tomatoes, and I would like you to explain to people what shit tomatoes have with you being sick. Well, <laughs> well, um,
1: so uh, years ago, there was, oh gosh, I think, you know that job, or that TV show Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? Oh, yeah. So that started out as an article in a local weekly in the Bay Area called The Wave. And it was very, very funny. It was a very funny magazine. It was full of funny pranks and funny stories. And there was a writer named Sean Baby who used to do movie reviews of, like, Turkish Star Wars or (laughs) Wendy's training videos. So fucking good. But Dirty Jobs started out as just an interview with people who had, like, unpleasant gigs. And one of the interviews was with a guy who worked at a sewage treatment plant, and he talked about how he was constantly surrounded by every type of bacteria, and he never got sick. Um, I guess doctors and teachers are, you know, surrounded by sick people, so their immune systems are super bomber. And and then then the guy was describing how tenacious tomato seeds are, and he said, because we process all of the stuff, like, you know, the stuff from the big cauldron the big chum lab and you Ugh. turn it into dirt and you put it out in this field and lo and behold uh, in a short time tomato plants were starting to grow so seeds are eaten by people digested done away with processed turned to peat or mulch or whatever and then put out in this field and then tomatoes grow and he said that a guy who used to work there he, he would like go and collect the tomatoes and take them home um but he he didn't work there anymore so we don't know if he died <laughs> <laughs> oh he <laughs> from died eating. from eating shit tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> uh, should've so seen anyway, that coming <laughs> yeah i got i haven't been sick in probably 2 years or 4 years and in the last 8 months like i was just at the tail end of this fucking cold and then i did this trip and i saw all these people and i was hanging out with a bunch of smokers which i i was probably hanging out with more smokers than i haven't 30 years, um, mm. and I just, like, now I'm, like, all fucked up again.
0: Quit smoking, everybody.
1: So if I said I, when I laugh, I sound like an 80-year-old grandma with emphysema. Mm. So now between the two of us, we got a whole lot of wheeziness.
0: I think you're just uh, raspier and bassier. I just think you're, you're just getting sexier and sexier with your <laughs> vocal stylings.
1: <laughs> I can only hope. It's like a congested tom jones with a speech impediment
0: (laughs) i mean i have this terrible hyena laugh all the time i really wish i could do something about it but
1: you get your vocal cords stretched do they do that is that can you get a vocal cord augmentation i don't know make your voice sound different i don't know i I would go for it i bet there's such a thing I mean I've never uh, heard of it, but do you think there's a home kit that I could buy? <laughs> <laughs> you'd fuck it up and then you'd sound like Shirley Temple forever the rest of your life and that's you that's your that's your future. I hope so. You need a longer one, right? It's a long vocal cord, is a deeper, and then a short is a is a higher. That could be true.
0: I mean, oh, we've God. never done we've never gotten any science correct on this show yet Never. so why not let's just go with what you just said <laughs> yes that's correct
1: there are i listened to, i listen to uh andrew huberman uh who is a really fascinating character i listen to him sometimes and he has so much interesting stuff to say and then i listen to our podcast <laughs> and i'm just like what what are we doing
0: i thought. <laughs> I got multiple feedback. I've received multiple feedbacks on several of our recent podcasts. Um, I heard from the godfather, Roger Cadman, who said, why the fuck are you? Have you not given out Steve's kale salad recipe? So that was one thing that you can take that offline. Just send Roger your kale salad recipe. Um, A few people. I haven't listened to the. Episode that just came out. It was, it was so But a, a few people got in touch to be like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> somebody was like, um, somebody got in touch with me specifically to say all of your um, podcasts should start with a fart. <laughs> and then a few other people were like, God, you guys were worked up. <laughs> So that happened. And then <coughs> this morning I got up at 545, which I do on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I went to the park to conduct Suffer Club, which is our sort of group uh, sucky fitness group. Right. And my friend Kimberly, I, wa- I have a little whiteboard that has the workout. On. I walked, I was, I picked it up at the end and she tried to game me. <laughs>
1: oh my god that's so good I love it
0: she's like I love the game I want to play the game all the time so now
1: these three dudes walked into the bar the other night I worked a full weekend after fucking a whirlwind shit show of travel and then I came back worked one half of a day and then i immediately went to the bar and closed the bar and i was at home at 3 45 two nights in a row and i was just absolutely like i absolutely the wheels every wheel came off the wagon at the end of my second shift i was just an emotional wreck (laughs) and one of my bartenders said we had to have like a little sit down come to jesus meeting because i completely lost my shit but um these three dudes walked in and one guy pulled out his ID and the other guy knocked it out of his hands. And I was like, you, you know the game? And he's like, yeah, everybody knows the game. I said, where are you from? And he said, Connecticut. And I was like, oh my God, I did. What the fuck? How did that happen? The game is universal. The game is universal. I love it. That's so yeah. funny. Uh, one, one guy, uh, somebody chimed in on Twitter and said, was Robot even on that episode? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not talking at all in this one.
0: Oh, no. I think I was in my rightful position. What I like to do at the beginning of these things is kind of like pull your string. I like try to pull your string and just let you go. I think that's, that is the money move for this podcast.
1: Dude, I I listened to the I listened to the, the new one today. Uh, I guess for the second time. I mean, I, you know, it's sort of like a, um, it's sort of like a critical analysis. Like, what could we do better? What what you know? Where do we blow it? And then I hear you know some things come out of my mouth. and I'm like, oh, I hope the next thing I say is this, and it is. I'm like, oh, well, I'm super on point. And then other times I'm like, you know, Pussy Galore was on Caroline Records. How could I not pull that out of my memory banks? You know.
0: Uh, I think you get those are those are the free ones. When I listen to the podcast, I think, "What could we do better?" Okay, Everything's still okay. Um, No, I just am like, "Why do we even have topics? Why do I even write notes? What are we even doing?" And I people will say, "Oh, I heard the podcast." I was like, "Oh," and I'm my reaction is almost always like, "Yeah, I'm sorry i I don't know what we were doing there." And they're like, "No, no, that's what's good about it." And I'm like, "I don't think we." I don't think encouraging us to be less coherent is helpful.
1: <laughs> oh man, I just I don't know. We were both we were both we were both kind of tripping last.
0: <laughs> we were real fired we were up. There was a lot of rants. Last week. Huh? There were a lot of rants. I think there's probably about fifty percent of the people in the bike industry <laughs> don't want to talk to us anymore. <laughs> I was just so,
1: I was just so worked up about so so much stuff. And I, oh, that was another thing is I was just like, you know, companies are just creating landfill. Like it's just disposable stuff. Nothing is serviceable, nothing. And that was, that was one point I was trying to make, but I just couldn't get my shit together. So, well, this week's totally going to be different.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, This episode, what's this episode about? He said, forcing Stevel to read another paragraph that he had written. Oh, uh,
1: well, funny you should ask. This episode is about our favorite companies in the bike industry. Uh, After we spent the last episode on a variety of rants about how terrible bikes and bike companies are, we're back this week with sunshine and positivity and at least a fraction of the bike content that most of you are looking for. Although by now, you ought to know better.
0: But, you know, I've I've screwed this up because we didn't even do music picks yet. No, I I was going to say...
1: Before we get into anything,
0: we got to talk about
1: music, and then we'll do a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get on with the bullshit. On with the bullshit.
0: So, music, do you have a music pick? Did you think about this?
1: I I did, and it was, uh, you know, it was one of the two records that I bought uh, last week, or that I brought up last week that I bought and I hadn't listened to, uh, and it was uh, the first Elvis Costello and the Attractions record this year's model, and I've been listening to it non-stop since I got back into town and I love it. I love it so much. I knew I liked it, but I never listened to it. I'd heard it, but I would not listened to it. And now I've listened to it exclusively and I fucking love it. And, you know, we've talked before about how, um, you can revisit stuff that you knew way back in the way back. Uh, and then you listen to it through a different lens Or rather, a different filter, uh, because you've learned about all this new music in the interim, and you're like, "Oh, that all of that stuff is influenced by this thing."
0: Right. Suddenly, Um, suddenly things make more sense.
1: Yeah, and and all of like, there's so many of my favorite bands, I can hear uh, sort of like similarities in song structure, or. Or rhythm, or the way that the vocal, the vocal uh, composition lands, or whatever. And um, you know, I brought up like every John Reese project, that, uh, which I adore, <laughs> yes, uh, without exception. And then I listened to this, and I was like, mm, "Yeah, okay, I think, I think I hear." And maybe if you asked him, he, if you asked Reese, he might say, well, yeah, I don't know. It was like mildly influential, but I didn't really listen to it that much. But I hear a ton of similar stuff, and I, it's just, I think it's just such a brilliant record. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, the 19, the it came first out in like 1977. Elvis and the Costellos. Elvis
0: yeah. and the Costellos? Elvis. I just
1: said. <laughs> <Fuck>. Jesus. <clears throat> the Attractions.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um... Well, that's cool. I, you know, I haven't listened to that in forever, and so I am going to try to listen to that today. Good call. All right. I I had a whole list of... Uh, before I start, I want to say uh, thank you to uh, the hardcore dentist, Dr. Raymond Epstein, who sent me a slew of new music to listen to. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Dr. Octagon as a result uh, just lately, but... Um, On Friday night, this last Friday night, doesn't matter which Friday night it was, I went to see Pigs, 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 also known as Pigs X7 or just Pigs, whatever. (laughs) Uh, A what would you call them? I would call them a doom or stoner metal band from Newcastle upon Tyne in the north of England and i saw them at the middle east upstairs which is a very small uh i would say legendary room i've I, i've played on that stage uh so it which embarrasses me it embarrasses me for them that i got to play on the <laughs> same stage because we don't belong we're not of the same species So Pigs is a five-piece band who are heavier than fucking lead. Uh, They are purveyors of brutal riffs. Like the show ended and my buddy Josh, who I went with, was like, what did you think of that? And I was like, man, I just found myself smiling the whole time. (laughs) Because every time they would drop a brutal riff to do something else, I'd be like, oh no, there's another brutal riff. And the lead singer, uh, the front man, if you will, wears athletic shorts and like a tank top. And it's because he's going to get athletic, right? Like he is just sweating and jumping around and grinding. It was just such a good show. And the other thing is good banter. A lot of really solid banter. Um, They are just, they've just finished that tour. So good luck to anyone in the United States of America who wants to see them. But if you ever get a chance to see these guys, they crush it. Uh, So I'm picking their new record just recently out called Land of Sleeper.
1: I think our picks are almost at the ends of the spectrum this week. Ordinarily, they're pretty, pretty in tune. But this week. Yes. They're well different.
0: They are well different. So what, another thing that was interesting about this show is they're touring with another guy from the north of England who is named Richard Dawson, who is a folk singer. And and he's apparently he's pretty popular. Uh, a lot of people came to see him and he was very funny at the beginning. He played a few songs and he said, I'm really grateful to everyone who came out to see me. If you came out to see me stick around. You're not really going to believe what's about to happen next.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then awesome. he said, if you've come out to see the pigs, you must be confused as hell about what I'm doing here. <laughs> and then, and so they had, and then, uh, you know, pigs when they were on stage uh, said, um, you know, our tour is going very well. We've built up a real head of steam. Every time we seem to be just about to, Get right over the top. Richard Dawson comes out here and yanks the carpet out from under us.
1: (laughs) Uh, I had some friends in Portland who got to see them. And they said it was unbelievable. You know, but, like, nothing ever comes here anymore. That Ordinarily, it used to be, if you were headed north, you go Seattle, Bellingham, Vancouver, or vice versa. And now Bellingham is just a black hole. Like, nothing ever happens here anymore. Yeah. But, fingers crossed that the... Tides turning.
0: Yeah. Hope I can
1: see them someday soon, you know, but probably, I I don't know. When are they, when would they come back?
0: I don't know when they'll be back. Maybe Um, this summer. I was, I was genuinely surprised at how small the room they played was. Like it was really amazing to be, you know, so close and in in such a, a, like a, a tight, small crowd to see them. The place was seething. Just the whole thing was kind of seething, which was really awesome. Um, I could see them coming. I could definitely see them doing like an opening slot for a big American metal band. Um, I would like to see that happen. But I'd also equally I'd love to see them in the UK. Well, to see
1: to see them, you know, that's sort of one of those formative types of experiences where you get to see this band where, you know, this is probably going to be one of the last times you get to see them in like a tiny place, or maybe you might see them one more time. But ultimately, you know, something, yeah, something like uh, something like that. Something so powerful and so electric, uh, it doesn't really stay anymore. It doesn't stay small for long.
0: That's and right.
1: So lucky you. Unfortunate for me. Um, anybody over the across the pond, uh, as it were. Take your chance to see him if you get it.
0: That's right. Pounce on it. Alright, word from our sponsor.
1: Oh hey, it's story time with Stevil. When I was 8 or 9 years old, my mom and dad bought me my first BMX bike. It was a JCPenney Free Spirit. And in time, I went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a Toughneck stem and CW bars. Which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue. I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike. 150% cooler. It was around that time that I probably became a lifelong Shimano guy.
0: Sponsor! And we're back. And we're back.
1: All right. So I already mentioned this, but. Last week, we talked about stuff we were mad about, mostly it was me. <laughs> so yeah, apparently, I'm mad about everything. Uh, <laughs> this week, if I can get the words out without suffocating on my own fluids, uh, we're going to talk about companies that we, that we truly and genuinely love. Yes. Um, I don't really have any. <laughs> no, that's not true there's a ton of companies I love but they're all little you know like I don't like I don't really know you know I saw like Kitsbo just shuttered their operation which fucking yep. sucks but I didn't yep. it was kind of harkened back to when the first time Swobo closed their doors uh, simultaneously primal exploded so you could get like all of your flaming skull lycra jerseys and pink Floyd jerseys that you, you could ever want. But like this company that's making sustainably harvested wool and, you know, organic cotton and cool stuff and 1% for the environment and paying it forward to all of these, you know, uh, local inter- or uh, regional interests. They, they can't keep their doors open. And it just is like, you know what I don't know what the, I don't know what the bike industry wants. I don't know what the the buying public wants apparently they they don't want shit made in America they want shit made in China prices, but they want shit made in america quality yeah, I don't know.
0: I just had on I have a swobo wool shirt uh that I just had on the other day that I forgot that I owned and i was and I felt a little sad for uh that company's triple demise yeah uh, um, because I did like everything about them, I guess. Yeah. And you you get included in that. You get rolled up in that burrito. Um, and interestingly, you, you would counterpoint Swobo with Primal because now Primal has ditched the Pink Floyd and the Geckos and the Flames and make really nice straight-ahead bike
1: clothes. Shows what I know. I, I just don't pay attention to stuff.
0: Well, it's easy. I mean, I think and this is uh, uh, a lot of companies sort of establish who they are or if they bust out on a gimmick like I think primal sort of established themselves on a gimmick, which was to make these really brash sort of Spencer's gift style bike clothes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But then they evolved. Um, But, you know, you will get caught in people's old perception of you.
1: Well, that was just a, <clears throat> that was, a, I think that was an article that Rob Story wrote. And this is, you know, this is 1997 or 1998. This is a super long time ago. Um, and, and so, you know, watching Kitsbow go away, it hmm. just kind of, it, it had a similar vibration or similar feel to me.
0: Yeah, I think, I think what's tough is that there are so many of those not quite big enough clothing companies in our industry, like, you know, Kitspo, Seven Mesh, uh, even um, Mission Workshop, uh, Swerve, um, you know, they all are sort of like, cool, they're all cool, I think they're all cool. Uh, but they're all sort of taking little bites out of each other and 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 the mass market is still buying the mass market stuff, which is you know what Pelazuumi and uh Castelli and
1: and I don't even know Pearl pearllaumi closed their broomfield offices down. is that right?
0: They are in some i i don't really the last thing i, I I'm not the source of information here, but my the last thing I read about them, I was like, "Oh, Pearl Izumi's over," but of course, their stuff is still available and their website is still up and they're still in operation. Like, I don't even know what it means to fall apart anymore. Yeah,
1: I'd, yeah, I don't either. Um, but let's see companies in the industry that we do like uh, Shimano, obviously, for uh, not just because they you know help us out with this, but I've I've long um what's what do you do with the trumpet uh sound at the trumpet flown the flag i've always liked shimano uh you know for a big company the people that i've known who work there have always been super duper cool from the first person i ever met um onto our professional relationship with them now um And then on the other end of the spectrum is the little companies. There's the Paul Component Engineering, and there's White Industries. And, you know, having spent the last 30 years in the Bay Area, I was super fortunate to become friends with uh, all of those people. You know, Mark from Paragon Machine Works, and um, uh, Sean from Soulcraft, and Rick Hunter, and... Uh, Sherwood from Ventana and, and, you know, I mean, there's, it's like a hotbed of manufacturing and little independent companies there. Um, and so I have always, that's kind of what I grew up looking at, you know, grew up being a flexible term because I was 18 when I moved to the Bay area, but grown up in the bicycle world. Uh, yeah, I got to, I got to grow up with, with Bruce Gordon and Ross Schaefer from Salsa, and Sky Yeager, who was at the time with Bianchi, and you know, like these are some pretty important people in the big picture. And I got I became friends with them right away and got to see how they operated. Mm. Uh uh, you know, in bigger companies and smaller companies. It was so those that that's kind of what I attuned or sort of what I tune into.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of companies, despite what we said last week, I think a lot of companies, you know, uh, their hearts in the right place and they have integrity. You mentioned Shimano. What I love about Shimano is I don't ever acquire a Shimano product and wonder if it's going to be good. Right. Right. It's just, you know, from the swipe of your credit card or or however it arrives with you, that it's going to work and it's super reliable finding out after the fact that there are cool people there and that they would support us of uh, project like this uh, I, that, <laughs> that never <laughs>
1: ceases to amaze me that by itself you know that, yeah. that they want to get their hands dirty with us it's just the most insane thing
0: Well, what it says to me and this, I think, and we should stop talking about them because I don't know, it would start to look like shills, uh, right? but I think Shimano is amazing because they're a company you would encounter walking in off the street into a bike shop, right? You would, you would know nothing. You'd walk in and someone in the shop would be like, oh, well, this one has Shimano, this components and that one has that. So you would encounter it as like a first okay, this is a big, important company in the industry, but then as you spend more and more time and drill down and get deep, Shimano is still there, right? It's not just a frontline, like this is what's popular. It's like, oh, well, uh, you can get this. It's super accessible and super affordable, but also if you want to, no matter how deep and how, whatever you want to go, they're going to be there. Um, And I have good things to say about SRAM as well. I mean, I've known a few people there. Uh, They've been good. They have a different approach to their business than Shimano, uh, which I think makes them maybe a little harder to connect with, but uh, I have not had bad (coughs) products for their company.
1: No, Um, no, I haven't. I haven't either. I mean, well, I had some issues with some mountain bike brakes, but. Uh, I even got to go and I did like a whole clinic in Chicago, uh, you know, where I got taken out by haunch Ed and we ate pasta and it was, you know, kind of a quintessential Chicago moment. Uh, and I learned how to work on the stuff that we were selling with Swobo and that was, it was very inviting and it was very informative. Um, bummer thing is that I, 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 tacked it on to the end of a minneapolis trip so i was operating on about four brain cells when i got to chicago (laughs) uh i think what we've
0: established is that as a touring uh artist or musician you would be dead in the first week i don't know how people do it you know i can
1: i don't know how people do it it's traveling is so hard for me Cause I just absolutely—it's just white hot from the second I touch the ground.
0: Yeah, you just just like t- t- turn it to eleven from <laughs> <to> go, <laughs> and
1: <laughs> yeah, doing like a like a six-week tour or something like that. There's a like Chris McNally and I were talking about that. Like Jesus Christ, how do even just staying up late? Like I'm—I don't know. I'm, I suppose like you could do it when you're, you know, fifty. But man, fifty-two is rough. <laughs>
0: uh okay so we agree i should mention uh chris king precision components i i will uh i will make they're all time but i do derive a paycheck from chris king uh i'm not an employee but uh i am a frequent contributor to their operation so i i have to own that but i will say this i worked at seven cycles for almost a decade and what I liked about it was they never asked me to misrepresent, compromise, anything. Everything was like, do-it-yourself, punk rock, integrity. Everything we did there. Um, they, they, they were like, humble, and yeah, they just did things the right way. And so it was a really nice place to work because there was not a lot of stress about, well, we... C- I don't want to say this thing, or I don't want to say that thing. Like we just played everything hundred percent straight ahead. So that was really nice. <sighs> and at that point, when I left there, I was like, I just don't even know where else I'm going to work in the bike industry because there's a lot of particularly like big bike companies that have business practices that I don't really believe in. And I don't want to go there, but I started to do work with Chris King And I, I recognized immediately that it was the exact same vibe of like, look, we're going to make the best thing we know how to make. We're going to be a hundred percent transparent and honest about it. And we're going to treat people the right way and let the chips fall where they may. And actually we would rather do it that way and fail than, than play a bunch of games with people and succeed. And so it's been a really good place for me to land, at least from a consulting perspective. for sure. Um, and those are the companies that I really I want to be involved with, whether it's doing work for them or representing them, you know, <laughs> through the podcast or the website. When I left seven uh, people, everyone said, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I said, well, what I'm going to focus on is just working on projects with people I like. Like if I like them and I like, you know, if I like them, then I want to work with them. And well, it that's, doesn't-
1: a, that's a benefit of being independently wealthy is you can make decisions <laughs> like that. King is a, King is an interesting company, you know, I've like, since they were in Santa Barbara, they were in Santa Barbara and then they moved to Northern California and like uh Shasta or weed or somewhere. And then they moved on North. <clears throat> but up until that point, it was like, it was like Oz, you know, you never, I didn't ever know anybody who worked there. I didn't ever have, I never had the opportunity to take a peek behind the curtain. And then, uh, my friend Jen Klish got hired when they were in northern california and they that was sort of my first glimpse she wrote the manual sort of the she wrote the manual that i think you just recently rewrote yeah that's right yeah that's
0: right. yeah so
1: jen is jen's a badass she's like i don't know she's all time totally historical figure in the bike world uh lisa shares pro mechanic uh during the norba years um uh, resident suspension expert at the Missing Link Bike Cooperative in Berkeley. Um, now she works in the medical field. Uh, but let's see, where was I going with that? Oh, so, you know, I started learning they were, like, rescuing stray cats. They had this whole cat rescue thing, and they were doing water reclamation on this new building that they built, and they were uh, siphoning oil particles out of the air and recycling all that stuff. And then... Somewhere along the line, I got to meet Chris himself, and he's just this unassuming dude who's like, you know, what we talked about last week is everything is disposable. The shit that's being made is disposable, but with King and White, similarly, they make stuff that you're going to have forever, and then right. on the next bike you get, you're going to buy it again, because it fucking rules. Like, yeah, that's that's the kind of company that I want to support.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, obviously, I have a huge bias because I get a paycheck there, but they don't listen to this podcast, I fucking promise. And uh, and so, yeah, it's everything, you know, and I think Chris, Chris does not. He gets a lot of credit, but I don't think he gets enough credit because starting in like 1976 or whenever he began to tinker right from go, he was doing sustainable manufacturing mm-hmm. he like he's had his eye on that ball from the like, 40 whatever years ago um so the things that people the ideas that people are just coming around to now or are saying well we'd love to do that but it's too expensive he's like oh we never didn't do it that way
1: yeah well i i wish that i wish that people you know more i feel like it's it's sort of like the jocks and the freaks, and his side, you know, like in the high school parking lot, like the king side is the freaks, and but uh, the jocks could learn a lot from the freaks, and they kind of maybe here and there do, but like you said, I don't think he gets enough credit. I wish that more people would look at the the success that they have, and say, well, if they can do it this way, why can't why can't we all? you know, to some degree or another, but I don't know. It's just dollars and cents. I guess you got to,
0: I think there's a certain amount of like marshmallow test, uh, uh, dynamic going on here. Like, do you know what the marshmallow test is? You, I don't think so. You put a kid in a room, uh, and you put a marshmallow in front of him and you say, here's a marshmallow. You can eat it now, or I'm going to go out of the room and come back, and if you didn't eat that one, I'll give you another one. And so uh, you can track, you can, apparently you can find a lot about a kid about whether they just eat the first fucking marshmallow and and they're out, or whether they wait and get the two marshmallows. And I think most of the bike industry, or a lot of the bike industry, is the one marshmallow. They're Uh like, we're gonna make shit as cheap as we can, and sell it as cheap, and we're gonna, everything's gonna be flash bang, big promises, uh, but it's not gonna last very long, it's that sort of, like, quick, uh, oh, you can buy it, you can get a carbon fiber wheel set for $900, yahoo, you know, uh, or you got the two marshmallow people who are like, why don't you just chill the fuck out, do this right the first time, and the headset that you buy this year, you'll move to another bike because it'll still be functional in 10 years. Right. So you got one marshmallow. And I think mostly I like the two marshmallow companies. And I that goes along. You made a joke about me being independently wealthy. Uh, but it does. There is a cost. Like, like the waiting for the second marshmallow is like, well, look, I don't really have that money today, but you know what? I'm going to save up and get the better thing because it's the better thing.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, and I realize it's easy for me to say because I don't run a big multi million dollar or even million dollar or even multi hundred thousand dollar company. You know, like I try to do stuff sustainably and I try to get everything, most everything that I get done for all hail the black market, I get made domestically and I work with independent partners. Uh, uh And you know what to there's you know exception uh because like people were I did a backpack uh, a bunch of years ago, and people were asking me why I wasn't getting it made in America, and I said because I don't think anybody's willing to pay seven hundred dollars for a backpack like I could get it made in America, but right, I can get these made in Taiwan with a with a Taiwanese partner um with uh, her father owned the company, she managed it and did split time between Taiwan and and California. Uh, super cool people, um, but I could do it with them and sell it, you know, for one hundred seventy five dollars or two hundred dollars. And I don't think I made any money on the project. <laughs> as usual. Uh, But, you know, I kept it, I kept it as close to home as I, as I could.
0: You're very consistent in your business results, aren't you?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Make stuff that you enjoy making and do it sustainably or responsibly and then not make any money in the deal.
0: Well, (laughs) right. I think this is, I think this is what makes a lot of these companies super impressive is that they're saying, they say, like, all right, we're going to our high end bike. you know, going back some years to say we're going to make a bike that costs more than five thousand dollars. But we know it's the best bike we can make and we're making it here and we're getting materials here. It takes a lot of courage to commit to that and and believe that you're going to sell it.
1: Yeah. For in a in a, in a large production run. Yeah, for sure. You think an independent builder, you know, there's a lot. There's a uh, a lot less risk. There's still considerable risk because you've got to feed yourself and you've got to pay rent on your shop and buy tooling and whatever. Yeah. But for a large company, they say, "Hey, we're going to do this whole run." I think of Moots all the time, you know. hmm Uh, and and through the lean times when they, you know, um, were still independently owned well i guess it, they're independently owned currently, but it's but by, by the founder um mm-hmm. and they just they just knew you know i don't know there's there's a they believed in what they were doing and they made these incredible bicycles and they would do runs and um i'm sure the i'm sure they weren't you know they were buying purple hats and trans ams and all that shit, but (laughs) they were able to see it through. And now they're, you know, they're now they're this established company. That's still is making really bitching stuff. I don't know. I don't, it's, uh, yeah, I guess that's all I was That's all I was saying is that, uh, uh, it's easy for me to speculate and easy for me to cast conjecture conjecture when I'm not the one running a whole big business. Just a shitty little one.
0: Right. But and 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 I get you. I'm sh- running a shitty little business, too. Um, and you and I, I think, have the same approach, which is like, do everything yourself. And it, if you can make progress, it's going to be organic pros- progress. You're never going to like take. I'm not going to say, oh, friends and family, give me 50 grand so I can make so I can turn it into 48 grand doing this thing <laughs> that I'm doing,
1: you know, no, you're, man. You,
0: yeah. I mean, you sell what Story you have to sell life. and you take what you make from that and you plow it into new things to sell. So any growth is organic. It's, it's, it's low or no risk.
1: Yeah. Um, that's what it's so funny. When I, when I started this thing, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a koozie and whatever that's sell sell the koozies for $5 a piece. So I invest, $120 into, you know, 250 koozies or however many. And then with that money, I will, you know, increase profits or whatever, and I'll make this chunk and then I will invest that into the next thing. And like, it, it's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> until, until you invest a bunch of money and a thing that nobody buys.
0: And That's then right. You're,
1: then you're like, oh man, who, <laughs> who could have seen that? Uh, you know, whatever, uh, fucking rubber flasks weren't going to sell or whatever that, you know, the stupid idea was.
0: Right. And then it's like, okay, well return to go start yeah. over. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. 250 koozies. Cool. <laughs> Here we go. What's the next idea? Yeah. I mean, I suppose it in, on paper, it makes sense, but in, in reality, it, it's f- valuable. Is that the word?
0: Fallible. It's up and down. It's up and down and unpredictable. Makes it all the more fun. Okay. Indeed. If you... Question two. If you're going to start a new bike industry business, what would you make mm. and why would it be great?
1: (laughs) I wouldn't. (laughs) Not on a fucking bet.
0: What? I don't
1: think so. I mean... It's just, there's just so much stuff already. Like, I don't have a, I don't have a better idea, a better vision of, of how to do something, you know? Uh, I mean, if I had like, you know, bottomless pockets, I would take all of these cool little things from all these cool little companies and I would, I would do those, but it's, you know, like I don't have, I just have the little you know, onesie-twosie ideas that I'd apply to my own company. But like the old chrome knickers, I would like to, I'd like those to exist again. And, oh, and the the chrome skateboard tote backpack thing that they made for a quick second and then stopped. Like, I would like to see those in production again. So maybe it wouldn't necessarily be making stuff that other companies made and just like having them all... (laughs) Uh, combined into one business, but stuff that people have made over the years that I can't get any longer, and I would make that.
0: Well, now you're doing like a episode mashup.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's the same thing that I'm doing now, but maybe with just a little bit deeper pockets. Like just make shit that I think is cool. You know. Yeah. I love wool. I love. I love. Oh, uh, Cedar Cycling was a couple. There were a couple of cats in the East Bay, and yeah. they made these amazing wool jerseys and they had extra wool and they had they had patterns and I was going to like buy the patterns and the wool from them and get my own jerseys made uh which I didn't do but they were so good they were so I had one they were of those, so yeah. good oh I love them it's and now I wish I wish that I bought more of them when I had the opportunity uh oh, but I don't you know so I I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd make I'd make good wool clothing and cool hats and I don't know fuck but who I needs more this, shit I, there's just it's just more junk going into the trash
0: right I, I had this idea because I worked for a custom builder and I love all of them right like all of the custom builders I like and I believe in what they do and I think more people should uh, forego whatever big bike brand bike they're going to buy, uh, and have themselves a custom bike made a thing that they're going to keep, you know, through many drive trains, uh, because I just think it's a better way to do it. Like you don't have to replace your bike every three to five years, which is what people seem to do. So I, my idea was to create a collective, a kind of a collective, uh, where if Rick Hunter and Curtis Inglis and, um, Jeremy c Sip, the guys at seven, maybe number 22, like all of these people, you could, you could join the collective and we would negotiate together, um, parts, kits, like basically gear to build complete bikes and, uh, marketing and advertising Mm. effort, because it's very hard for a one person or even, you know, a two, three person, uh, shop to do any appreciable marketing. Um, one of the things we always used to say at seven was we're not really competing with moots or whoever is the same size as us we're competing with Trek and specialized in Cannondale and giant like every custom bike builder that, you know, if we all of us together could take 3% of those big company bikes and turn them into our bikes, we would all be absolutely thriving. Um, but it's very hard, Everyone's scattered, to try to do that. And then it's, you know, uh, managing individual, everyone's got cash flow issues because they're trying to buy parts kits to deliver bikes. But, you know, maybe if we could have some sort of central buying, I don't know, it's a, it's a lot. Obviously, I didn't do it <laughs> because <laughs> well, I'm too lazy. But that's the sort of thing I think I would do.
1: I mean, you go to a handbelt show or the made show that's happening in Portland in August or whatever, which is you know independent or custom or yeah, independent builders or manufacturers, and uh, you know if you had a proposal, I I there are a lot of moving parts in that. I think it's a really cool idea, and I have no idea how it would um, come to fruition, but.
0: I'm not entirely clear either. It would be a ton of work. You'd have to get a ton, you know, you have to get buy-in from all of these uh, individual uh, business owners. I think that's very hard to do. They all are doing what they're doing because they want to be the masters of their own destiny. But I just have this idea that, like, um, independent builders could be an entity to compete with the big companies. Mm Mm-hmm. Rather than being these little Davids trying to fight Goliath, they like, you know, it's the kids standing on each other's shoulder with the overcoat on.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're also, not only are you competing with the big manufacturers, but again, you're competing with just this sort of notion of disposable, uh, disposability, is that? Right. I love like it. everything, everything, you, you buy it and you, and then eventually you salary, you get rid of it, you lean it against the wall, it gets stolen, whatever. Is like, it's temporary. There's no, you don't buy the thing. Um, and I suppose this has probably been a facet of the culture for, for you, probably most of my life. You don't buy a refrigerator and have a refrigerator forever and ever that doesn't, that doesn't support the manufacture of the refrigerator You need to make it so that it breaks, so that somebody has to buy a new one. If you make the best possible thing, and this is where King shines, you make the best possible thing, people are going to continue to buy the thing. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to you make the thing and it breaks in a couple years and then they buy an, and then they have to buy another one. This they want what, to buy another one. That's the difference. They
0: want to buy another one. That That's it. When we were at seven, you know, some of the, some of the retailers that we worked with would complain like, oh, we sold this bike. It's a forever bike. We're not going to sell them another bike. And I would say, yeah, you are. You sold them a road bike. They love it so much. They're going to buy a gravel bike from you. We're going to build them a mountain bike. And it, I could point to it over and over and over again. How many people came back for a second, third, fourth bike in a different category? Because they were like, oh, shit, this is the solution.
1: Yeah. Now this is just solved. Maybe it doesn't seem obvious or there's too great a margin of error in that theory. But I, I, I think it works. I mean, personally, for me, I get it.
0: Yeah, I was I'm working on a thing for uh, TCI this this morning and I was I found myself writing like I have fewer bikes than I used to because I got three custom bikes built for me and I just don't need any other. But like there's not I'm not able to buy a better bike in any of those three categories. I already have a perfectly fit to me, perfectly spec'd bike. I don't need any other gravel bike except the one that I have.
1: Everybody needs a bar bike or two.
0: Yeah, I had that. I don't have a custom bar bike. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you buy like a no. You,
1: you'd hmm? be out of your mind to get a custom bar bike.
0: Don't make no sense. No. No, you that gotta sort of have a stealable bike.
1: Yeah. Oh my 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 bar bike, forty five hundred dollars. Best forty five hundred dollars I ever spent. Yoink! Shit gets <laughs> took. That's
0: right. Aww. Oh yeah, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be back. <laughs> never. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, so what, what's your point? You're never going to buy any more bikes. So you're not, you're not the, you don't, the industry doesn't care about you.
0: No, my point is I wish more people would deal with companies that made permanent solutions rather than temporary ones. Right. Let's get to the, would you rather, and try to get this plane on the ground before all the people listening have wasted a whole fucking hour.
1: Oh, we're only 51 seconds and tw- I mean 51 minutes and 22 seconds this has been a cakewalk I'm sure everybody's hanging on every word <laughs> uh would you rather be able to fly with a caveat that you couldn't carry anyone else and you would have to eat enough food to power your wings so your flying wasn't limit- limitless or have a car with infinite fuel
0: because if I said to you, "Do you want a car with infinite fuel, or do you want to be able to fly?" You'd be like, "Oh, that's fine. I just fly over to my homies, pick them up, yeah. carry everything." Like, okay, it's it's it's. I'm trying to keep it a little like you can fly, but it's practical flying.
1: Can I fly with luggage?
0: Um, yeah, I'd say with luggage, but not too much. And it's harder to fly with luggage than without it.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: It'd be great if you were like, oh, I have a bar shift. I'll just fly over there. Uh-huh. But if you wanted to, like, go someplace with a friend, you got to get in a car anyway.
1: Or they get a plane ticket <laughs> and then I fly and meet them there. I don't know. I guess I'd probably end up shipping my shit a ton. And, like, I'd ship a bike and my luggage and then i just fly for free because that's what I can do. But, you know, stop for food every now and again.
0: I like, I like the idea of you leaving home to, like, say, to go to the Bay Area, and you're just landing at, like, two or three Applebee's along the way and just pounding whatever, like, melted cheese garbage they, they have to make.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't really give a shit about cars. Uh,
0: Unless they're remote controlled.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Oh. I don't
1: know. One is whimsical and, and kind of limitless in, in possibility. And one is a little more practical. Um, and, uh, but this isn't like, let's say that the fuel, the infinite fuel is, uh, is clean burning. Right. So you're not just adding to the pollution and greenhouse gases and stuff.
0: Sure. You drive, like you basically have a magic car. You never have to put gas in it. It just goes.
1: But it's earthbound
0: know. and it can't go three hundred miles per hour.
1: Yeah, I think I probably. Oh, can I fly three hundred miles an hour?
0: Um, no, How I don't fast think so. Can I fly? I think you could fly as fast as, uh, you know, a pigeon.
1: Hmm, they're pretty fast.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's a <laughs> cool thing,
1: especially the fast pigeons. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with flying. Why? Ah, uh, just because it would offer a perspective I've never had before. I mean, I want to see that. I want to, I want to see what stuff looks like in you know real life, not from drone footage or looking out the window of an airplane. I think that would be really incredible. And you know, I mean, I live in a place where there's a ton of islands, and I'm terrified of the ferry uh, system because I'm afraid I'm gonna fall asleep and wake up in Canada and then I'm gonna be stuck there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. So I'm gonna go. I am yeah, gonna go with flying. All right.
0: What about you? Yeah, I'm gonna go with flying too. Flying's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even like. Oh, I would gain new perspectives on things. I'm just like fuck. fuck. I just want to fly. Are you kidding me? I just want to yeah. fly. I can drive in cars and pay for gas if I want to go places with my friends, but I want to fly.
1: Yeah, I think that would be. I think that would be more fun.
0: But that that okay. So I feel like this was a good would you rather because you didn't. It took you a while to arrive at your decision.
1: Yeah, well, there's, you, I, like I said, there's, it, it, there's a bal- there's a kind of a balance there. Uh, one is super practical, but I never drive anyway. I hate driving; it's the yeah, worst. Sucks. And and flying would be super cool, but it's also kind of impractical because it'd be, you, you can't take. You know, I'm gonna, I am going i want to go to Utah. For the weekend, but it's... How long does it fucking take a pigeon to get to Utah? (laughs) I mean, it would
0: take forever.
1: Probably But
0: Imagine how sweaty. Uh Uh-huh. You're flying places, but you're a human, so you're... And you're expending energy, so everywhere you show up, you're just like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Just fully worked. I just flew over here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good... That's a good one. Nice work. Do you want to do the extra? We got an extra down at the bottom.
0: Oh, yeah. We can do the extra. I was going to save it for another episode, but
1: go ahead. I I just love would-you-rathers. Would you rather eat all your meals with chopsticks or sucked through a straw? 100% chopsticks.
0: 100% chopsticks. That one's not good. That one's not good. I eat a lot of meals with chopsticks anyway.
1: I know. Me too. I love chopsticks.
0: I am amused by the idea of like, oh, what are we having for dinner? Oh, beef stew? I'll get my straw.
1: (laughs) Uh, I like the the sensation of chewing. You know, I like chunks of stuff in my mouth, as long as they're going in, in and not going out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so yeah, I like uh, I like to eat food. I like masticating.
0: Have you ever consumed? So um, I used to work at a place near Chinatown in Boston. So uh, and I love eat all. Eat all kinds of food. I would say that I'm a food adventurer. So I would go in the grocery stores in Chinatown and all of the restaurants, obviously. And uh, I would, I got one time, and I was trying everything. I was trying to eat everything, uh, with very mixed results. But one of the things that I got was grass jelly drink. Have you ever had grass jelly drink? Uh. Uh-uh. So grass, get, grass jelly drink is like a uncarbonated. It's like a pretty sweet juice that has gelatinous chunks in it
1: hmm okay what are those comprised of
0: they're like i think that's the grass jelly it's like <laughs> um it's like a gr- kind of a green tasting jello oh i it like uh, like aloe vera juice maybe i don't really yeah. know uh because i could I- never I'll... read the ingredients
1: Aloe vera juice is real similar, because and it's got these slimy chunks in it. Really super good for your gut.
0: Yeah, maybe. Really bad for your mouth, in my opinion. Mm. That mm. was my... I was like, I don't want there to be chunks in this.
1: Uh, it takes a little bit to get used to. I mean, I've not had the green jelly, <clears throat> green jelly... Green grass... What is it called? Grass jelly drink. Grass jelly drink. I've never had that, but I have had a lot of aloe juice, and that sounds similar, and I like the aloe juice. Mm. So... Alright, uh, well hey how, uh, I guess that does it for us And uh, Thanks for listening to Revolting Help us get paid by subscribing Our numbers make, mo- make more Worthy for potential sp- Make us more worthy for potential sponsors Let me try this again Thanks for listening to Revolting <laughs> Help us get paid by subscribing Our numbers make us more worthy for p- potential sponsors On iTunes or Spotify Or wherever you found us Or subscribe to The Cycling Independent It's cheap as foot. Or go to allhailtheblackmarket.com and get yourself a nice art book or a sweatshirt or a skate deck or maybe some funny stickers. Think of us as two clowns wrestling on the sidewalk with a funny old hat plopped in front. <laughs> You'd find some spare change for that, wouldn't you? Check your pocket. So, on behalf of the Cycling Independent and Revolting, I'm Steve. I'm Robot. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to suck it. No.